The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight, as usual, is Father William Jenkins. He's a traditional Catholic priest and a member of the Society of St. Pius V. He's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Very fine, Tom. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing well, Father. It's great yeah. to be here. Uh, joining Father Jenkins and myself, we have Mr. Tom Condit returning to the program tonight. He's a uh, great friend of the program, a prominent pro-life attorney here in the uh, Cincinnati area. Mr. Condit, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. So, uh, Father Jenkins, Mr. Connett, there's definitely a lot going on uh, still. We have uh, Mr. Connett here tonight, so obviously some, some legal legal issues are, are brewing uh, in regards to the, the presidential election uh, that we had here in the United States back in November. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on. I guess the big thing in the news uh, recently has been the... Uh, the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, uh, he has uh, <clears throat> apparently uh, had a, a bid to file a lawsuit uh, with the uh, Supreme Court against the, uh, he, I guess he's asking the, the Supreme Court for permission to sue Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and uh, Wisconsin over their election results, uh, saying that there were irregularities in the, uh, in the voting practices there. And I guess uh, the count now is up to 17 states, uh, which have told the Supreme Court that they support this effort uh, by the Attorney General in Texas. Um, so I guess the question is, uh, Mr. Conant, perhaps we can start with you. You know, uh, we've been hearing in the news about a lot of, a lot of lawsuits that have been dismissed um, recently. So is, is, this, is this any different? Can we expect anything different uh, out of this lawsuit coming out of, out of Texas? Um, we have... I guess President Trump just uh, tweeted, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but he said that uh, this is, quote, the big one. Um, so do you do you see anything different about this this lawsuit, Mr. Connor? What, what do you expect to come of this? Well, there's something, definitely something different about it because um, of who has a right or a power uh, or the le one legal word is standing to actually bring a lawsuit in any form. You have to have standing. Uh, you might hear that a lot without uh, getting it explained very well. To have, and uh, uh, there's what been dozens, right? Probably thirty to forty lawsuits. Filed. It seems like a lot of them have been mm -hmm. filed post-election, uh, and a lot of them dismissed. It can be very demoralizing when you hear judges just bang they dismiss them within yeah. days of them being filed. What what isn't explained very well. Uh, out there is that most of those lawsuits are being dismissed because the courts say the plaintiffs don't have standing to bring it. And by the way, I've been advising a guy off the record here in Cincinnati for about the past six weeks who's very hot on the issue. He's not a lawyer. He's very hot on the issue and probably dating back to the Obama years of the issue of whether someone is a natural born citizen. And he's really very educated on the whole constitutional history and legislative history of that. Uh, and he's very, he, brought, he actually brought his own lawsuit in court, uh, actually in Warren County, Ohio here, a bit north of here, um, challenging Kamala Harris as being qualified to be vice president. 
because her parents were not citizens. Um, and uh, th that's a complicated issue. But he, his ultimately, just three days ago, was dismissed for lack of standing. Okay? Yeah, that he, as a lone little voter, doesn't have standing to bring that kind of a challenge to something that really affects the whole federal, the national government. So standing, if, uh, I don't, like most times I appear here, I know when I appear here, I mean someone's misbehaving yes. in, in some <laughs> way, right? <laughs> but I also don't like to turn it into a law review uh, lecture or anything. But uh, So standing means the person bringing a lawsuit has to have sustained a sufficient injury that there's a real case or controversy. These are controversial uh, constitutional terms. Yeah. Uh, here's a real, like, uh, overly simplified example of someone who doesn't have standing. Let's say uh, someone, uh, a drunk driver runs a stop sign and injures your neighbor. And your neighbor, for any number of reasons, just doesn't want to do anything about it. Doesn't want to be in court, doesn't want to file a lawsuit, even though she's injured, has medical bills, she's really in bad shape, and she just won't do anything about it. And you say, doggone it, this isn't right. If you're not going to do it, I'll do it. Then you go sue the drunk driver for all the damage he did to your neighbor. Well, you don't have standing to, to file that lawsuit, right? You're, you're not the one that's injured. You're not, it's not your claim. So that's a real simplified way to explain it. Hmm. Now, um, another way to, to, to explain it, now a close analogy to voters filing lawsuits about unlawful shenanigans that are going on up in the upper levels of things is, is taxpayer, taxpayer standing. Like most of us would say, we don't want one penny of ours going to Planned Parenthood, right? And, uh, but if you filed, uh, let's say Congress passes uh, another budget bill and gives, you know, two million to Planned Parenthood for, per day or something, you know, whatever they're gonna give them. And that's enough. I've had enough, I'm gonna file a lawsuit that's violating my religious rights, that's violating my free, you know, mm -hmm. you're not gonna have standing to sue the federal government. They'll dismiss that because they'll say, on the theory that your injury is just too remote. Now, by the way, I don't agree with this, but this is what the law is pretty for a long time. Your injury is too remote. I mean, if we take all the money that's going to be given to Planned Parenthood and divide it among all the taxpayers, I mean, that might be $1 out of your pocket. You know, so, so no, that's just too remote of an injury. We're not going to give every person in the country standing to, you know, there'll be... So, so the same thing is true within now in the voting arena, that as a single voter wanting to challenge something of national scope, you know, you're not going to have standing. And right or wrong, that's what the law is and, and, um, uh, as a, on a real general term. So a lot of the lawsuits have been people or even groups or, uh, you know, it's not just uh, have to be little guys like us. It, it can be, sometimes it can even be uh, like state legislators and people that have certain a certain amount of standing that the rest of us don't mm -hmm. or um but but even that even those can be some standing issues but this this one is different because this one it's an actual different. state well because well the constitution gives uh, is the so the supreme court is the only place a state can sue another state so this absolutely is where the lawsuit belongs and the only place it can be because yeah. texas has sued four other states claiming that those four other states with their unlawful election procedures that were adopted uh, have, have damaged the state of Texas and the voters of the state of Texas on various constitutional theories um, because all each of those four states, and I did print the complaint off today, 
each of those, and they go through it. It's really devastating. I, I mean, the, the, the those that the media that tell that well, this, this is all just you know, there's no real. I mean, it, it's absolutely devastating. The, the you know, just and they didn't touch all of them. They, they touched the ones that you know have constitutional implications. And the key part of this, and those that are watching a lot of news and stories are, are know this, the uh, that that article uh, article one section two of the Constitution vests in state legislatures, the state legislatures, the power to select the electors for the Electoral College. Mm -hmm. So there's really not that many words in that part, but it's clearly interpreted that, you know, the state legislators set state laws for electing, especially the president and vice president. And there isn't anybody else with authority to set any standards for selecting the electors. Right. And what you've got in the four states that Texas sued, which was Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, just these unbelievably brazen departures from the laws of those states that comes by edict from the governor or from the secretary of state. Or in Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania decided that ballots could be accepted, be accepted way after the election was over, yeah. with postmarks. Just the the Supreme. You talk about judicial activism. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania just said this is how you can do it, and again, it's just a usurpation of the powers that are exclusively given to the state legislatures in the U.S. Constitution. This is why it's a federal constitutional case that what these state actors are doing, what the state officials are doing, uh, are, is violating the United States Constitution, which is why it has a place in the U.S. Supreme Court. And, and, te and Texas, uh, Texas has sued the offending states, and um, that's where it belongs. And it's, it's pretty power, it's, you know, it's a pretty, they've thrown a really hard punch here. And the facts, again, they lay out in some detail. Here's what Michigan did, you know, like four pages of, yeah. of the shenanigans that went on and all the, and then here's what Pennsylvania did. They lay it all out. It's just devastating. I mean, the corruption is just unbelievable. Americans shouldn't tolerate it for a minute, but it's there. So now the question is, what is the U.S. Supreme Court going to do with it? Uh, now, I will tell you, that I have, um, when I first heard about it, and, and I, as I read the complaint today, I have a little bit of fear about what I would call kind of the standing question on the other extreme, the other end of the spectrum, so to speak, because the plaintiff in that case is the state of Texas, the state of Texas, that sovereign entity, right? It's not Texas citizens. It's not Texas legislators. It's not Texas electors. It's not the governor. It's not the uh, it's not the the, the uh, attorney general. The attorney general is the lawyer who brought the case on behalf of the state. But the attorney general is not a party. The only party of the case is the state. And my a question I have, I can I can just see this being litigated, that the state of Texas really doesn't have standing to bring the claims it's bringing, which is the right that the rights of its citizens have been violated. I mean, this is, this is why the, that line in Shakespeare said, the first thing we're gonna do is shoot all the lawyers, because no matter what, 
no matter, you're going to get arguments from every direction depending on whose ox is getting gored. As it mm-hmm. goes. But I have a little bit of, uh, if, if I have a fear that this case um, would, would end up being dismissed or would end up being decided uh, where, the, where the Supreme Court doesn't give the remedy that Texas asks for, which is basically recognizing that that those state the, those elections in those four states were unlawful. You can't, you can't certify and, and appoint electors based on those results, and therefore you, you either take the step of throwing a lot of votes out and saying, "Okay, this is the real count. Trump won." And you know the Supreme Court doesn't want to do that. They don't want to be viewed as having picked the president. So just politically, it's, it's, most people agree it's unlikely that the Supreme Court of the United States is going to say, no, here's the real vote count. We're throwing that 1.5 million ballots out, which they should do. And, all right? It's what they should do. And then maybe they will do it. But probably in the end, they're going to kick back to the state legislatures of those states and say, the election results mm-hmm. you've certified are invalid. They're so flawed and corrupt, you cannot use those. Your state legislators going to have to convene and pick your electors. Mm-hmm. And that supposedly would be good news for Trump because all four of those legislators are, I think, fair, good majority Republican. Mm-hmm. So now we're in the hands of the Republicans at that point, which will make you sweat <laughs> for a few days, too. But anyway, so, so I, I rambled and got a little off track there. But, but, but Tom, it does raise an interesting point, though, because uh, the, the state has to show an interest as the state, right? And that it is somehow suffering injury. But, well, what would it mean then to say in the United States Constitution that a state can sue another state, has standings to yep. sue, an, uh, sue another state before the Supreme Court? Then, I mean, what. What would possibly give a state standing to sue another state if not, if not, you know, we're going to have to be dealing with a a, a dubious president yes. who's going to, you know, the federal power over within the state, uh, the judgeships, the federal uh, judges within the state, oh, the power I- over our citizens and so on are going to be. Held it, you know, no. in, in question over all this. It's a good point. It's a good counter to my fear. And, and let me give you an example of what might be a very typical state versus state action in the Supreme Court. Say a dispute over borders or mm-hmm. a dispute over mineral rights okay. or water rights or something that, mm-hmm. you know, has to do with the land and the topography. There are some suits like that going on right now. Yeah. So, so, so that's where states, uh, you know, um, you know, I remember, I was thinking, just, just made me think as a kid, I remember hearing that, you know, most of the Ohio River is in Kentucky. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so you know, maybe maybe Ohio and Kentucky could have a water rights dispute on the Ohio River. But, I'd be glad to let him have the whole thing. <laughs> but but, but, but that's an example of where a, a state has specific rights for itself as a state. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point that how does that affect the building of the bridges and monies spent on I could, I, because we have a case with a bridge being out of the yeah. off fire uh, that's another question yeah, right now point. who pays kind of who curious. Has to, yeah who has to so right. there are practical conditions it is a very practical example yeah um but no the point you just made is a good one the, the state of ohio i mean the state of texas 
could certainly say we as a sovereign state are very much affected by who becomes president. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the federal judges that will be appointed in this state making very serious decisions where, where, where state officials, Texas passes an abortion law. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there's some federal judge appointed by Biden striking down the abortion law. I mean, that is a good point. The, the election of this president, uh, yeah, I think, I think some very concrete ways can be articulated why the state itself is affected by who becomes the president. So your point's very well taken there. Uh, but there's still this little nuanced difference that it's still, you know, um, the, the, the state of Texas had no vote. Mm-hmm. It, its vote was not diluted or nullified at all. Mm-hmm. It's, well, it's, if the Supreme Court's looking for a way out, that might be a backdoor way out. A Basically, way. a way out of having to deal with yes. this. You mean yes. what my? You mean my fear that your, I expressed? Your, your point. Yes. Yeah, they would. They would have to basically reject that the state of Texas. But that then is going to create an uproar because I mean, look how many other people took a shot and they didn't have standing. Yeah, I mean, at one point you got to say, well, who's got standing? Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's the question. You know, you're seeing all these yeah. other lawsuits got dismissed because they didn't. Yeah. you know, if the the you know it was an individual or, or a small group yeah. or something. Here we have the entire state of Texas. Yeah. Now we're talking about. 17 states, right? right. Yeah, well, I think 17 states in addition to, to Texas. And I believe the list now, is Now, have still, they filed a separate suit or they've signed on with Texas? You know, and I, signed on with, with I don't Texas. know. Well, now, uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure procedurally what they did. Yeah. Uh, but um, <clears throat> now this is all. So the Supreme Court would have its own rules of court separate from the, say, the rules of civil procedure that govern the lower courts. But mm-hmm. uh Typically, what happens is that you can become an intervener in a case. You can actually file a motion to intervene and say, I want to come in as a plaintiff because I agree with everything that that plaintiff said and we want to join it. Yeah. But it, by, by some procedural vehicle, they're in, they're in and they've joined it. Yeah. Um, which, which, by the way, is a little different from filing a friend of the court brief. Hmm. You can come in and say, uh, we want to file a friend of the court brief um, because we support the plaintiff's views and that doesn't make you a party to the case. That's, uh, but it sounds like all these states have come in as, and joined as parties. That's how I take it. Mm-hmm. When you say they join the suit, uh, I, I, I think that's more than just an amicus brief. That, that's coming in as being a party. So that's good. I'm, I'm kind of proud of these other states, how quickly mm-hmm. they jumped in and said, Well, Austria, Kentucky, Indiana, but not Ohio. Not Ohio. <laughs> that's right. Father, what, what do we do about that? I mean, that's another question. I don't want to get us off track. Yeah, but. yeah. What do people do in a state that, you know, that should should join this? Because even let's say the majority of the popular vote of the state went for President Trump, right? right? You'd think people have an interest in saying, "I want to make sure my vote yep. counts." You'd th- you'd think it's a purely political decision for, for Mike DeWine and his attorney general to make. Mm-hmm. David Yost, I mean, why wouldn't they? Other than them being just hostile to Trump, mm-hmm. right? Hostile yeah. to what we all believe. Why, why wouldn't they join that? You know, it's interesting. I thought it was interesting. Kentucky joined it. You know that Governor Bashir in Kentucky didn't want to join it. But Cameron, the, the, attorney the Republican general. attorney general, took the action to join it, probably over Bashir's objection. Yeah. It is the attorneys general who make this decision, is that right? I can't say I know that for sure, but, but Kentucky tells me probably yes, because Bashir probably said, don't do it. And he said, hey, I'm doing it. So mm-hmm. pr- pr- probably it's the AG has the power to do it because mm-hmm. he's the attorney for the state. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Well, I called to uh, Yost's office, the Attorney General for Ohio. I called today. Was given another number to call. I went to uh, voice messaging, right? And um, I called our district representative here. I'll call uh, Wenstrup, right? Uh, who else did I call? <laughs> called another representative in the state of Ohio, too, looking for information to see what could be done by the citizens to uh, encourage the state attorney general to move on this. But I understood that uh, David Winstrup, I think David is his name. Da Brad, David, Brad, David Yost, Brad, I'm sorry. David Yost, yes. Yeah. Brad Winstrup yeah, and David Yost. That he has been deluged with, with uh, citizens of Ohio contacting him saying, we want to join this suit. We want the state of Ohio to join the suit. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, if they don't, it will, again, be another statement about the Republicans we have in Ohio. Mm -hmm. well, um, but citizens in other states could do the same thing. They sure. could contact the Attorney General and yep. try to and say, I want yeah. well, I, I think you to stand up for my vote. Right? I think uh, one thing that might bode well for, for all of this is the... Uh, is is the 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 press's reaction to this? I mean, I was just reading through some of the headlines uh, today, and there is just uh, total, absolute, uh, just disdain for for this coming out. What's coming out of Texas? I mean, there, uh, the one quote I had here from the uh, Michigan Attorney General, she said that uh, that Paxton's filing is a publicity stunt. It's not a serious legal pleading. Um, she gave all, all kinds of, of, of quotes here, but uh, there was, um, I believe it was, was CNN said that this is, uh, again, just some kind of publicity stunt. It's a doomed case in the Supreme Court. There's no way. This is this is all just a joke. Um, These are the people who are saying there's no evidence for fraud, though. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so, that uh, Trump colluded with the Russians. And Trump yeah. colluded with the Russians, that's right. <laughs> well, having... And Biden doesn't collude with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, having read, printed off and read... Uh, this not serious legal pleading here, um, that, which is only part of what they fought. This is, they fought a number of other things that back, to back this up. Um, it, it, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely rooted in the U.S. Constitution, mm -hmm. right? A state absolutely has a right to sue another state in the U.S. Supreme Court. They've invoked constitutional provisions that bind state legislatures, and they laid out for about 20 pages all of the violations of Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Michigan law that was just violated brazenly by the various public officials who, who just wanted to count as many absentee ballots as they could, no matter what. And mm -hmm. you know what? One of the um, if I, let me flip here for a minute, I might find it. Uh, one of the four states, and I'm going to find which one it is. The example was there was only three ways that someone could get an absentee ballot. I'm always great at marking things and not finding them. Here it is. Three specific ways, and this was Michigan. All right, so by statute, here's the three ways someone could get an absentee ballot. One is by a written request signed by the voter. Simple enough. Two on an absent voter ballot application form provided for that purpose by the clerk of the city or township. That's a local thing. That's pretty easy. Or C, on a federal postcard application. I'm not quite sure what that means. But mm. Those are the only three ways by law 
you can get an, uh, an absentee ballot in Michigan. But the, um, the um, was it the Secretary of State this announced that uh, they would send unsolicited absentee voter ballot applications by mail to all 7.7 million registered voters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we'll just send them to everybody. Completely disregarded. Just totally disregarded. Completely unlawful. <laughs> right. So, um, so that, that's just one example of the well, brazen disregard. Tom, when you have the power of working miracles... I mean, how, how can you be bound by man's law when you can have ballots returned before they're mailed? Right. Right? Postmarked returned before they were sent yep. out. Yep. I mean, that's pretty spectacular. Yeah. You've got to admit. <laughs> Is that going to be the indication if somebody's in there, uh, like, post-dating, like, going back and dating the ballots uh, uh, after they arrive and putting different right. dates on them? Or what, what is going on there, how does that happen? I, 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 technically, I'm not sure how. It ha it's such buffoonery, you wonder how they could even... <laughs> but it couldn't happen le legally or no. even naturally. No, no. And, and you know what? I, I don't... I, I think this was so recent that I w haven't been on the show for a while, so I don't think I'm repeating something by telling this story. Yes. At the Northern Kentucky Right to Life uh, annual celebration for life at the Heb uh, in September, I think, and uh, I went over that, and uh, Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey spoke there. And, and he's, you know, he's as good as they come. Yeah. And he was making the point, as they, were, as, as they were anticipating all these election issues and the mail-in ballots, he said he was looking through the federal code, and he saw where it was a federal crime. I think he said punishable, like up to five years in prison, for anybody who tampers with a postmark. Mm -hmm. And he said, but, you know, it didn't apply to the postmasters. So he introduced a bill in Congress to make that applicable to the postmasters. So that the post, you know, the ones running all the local mm -hmm. post offices all over the country, it, it'd be a crime for them to do that same thing. And you know what? All the Democrats in Congress opposed it. Yes, that bill didn't go anywhere. They wanted the postmasters to be able to commit those crimes. Uh -huh. That, that, that their little employees will go to prison for. Mm -hmm. well, what does that tell you? And they knew what was coming. They knew. Well, when, when I think of the breath, when, you've got to be impressed by the operation. I mean, when, when Joe Biden said, I've got the greatest vote fraud operation in the history of elections, or whatever he said, he was serious. When you sit back and think what these people have pulled off, mm -hmm. you know, we, we could probably take every traditional Catholic in the greater Cincinnati area and go work somewhere 20 hours a day for a year, and we won't be putting in as many man hours as they had to put in to pull this stuff mm -hmm. off. It's, it's breathtaking. Mm -hmm. Wow. It really is. Of course, they have a diabolical mind behind all of this <laughs> yes, to, to support them, don't they? Well, with regard to that uh, piece of... Uh, of um, what, did he, what, did he, what did they call that? That... Uh, Publicity stuff. How long would it have taken the attorneys in Texas to prepare that? There was not the work of an hour or right. a day. They'd been working on this for some time, evidently. Right. 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 Yeah. This. This. Uh, well, you know, this is the complaint. Yeah. You know, like I've got here, a motion for expedited consideration. 
mm-hmm. of the motion for leave to be able to file this. So here's a here's a 15 page memo, just kind of a as a preliminary move to bring this in front of the court. There, there's another. There's probably another uh, 50 pages of things I did not print, all with right. this initial filing. Now, would that preliminary piece there would that have been submitted to the Supreme Court prior to this? On all, all probably together. It probably was okay. all submitted at the same time. Okay, because uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Alito just kind of brushed aside uh, the attempt by a couple of legislators in. Pennsylvania to mm-hmm. require that the certification of the vote in Pennsylvania right. be put set aside. Right. And uh, I think uh, Justice Alito just basically said no. Well, that, denied. that was misreported, though. I saw Jenna Ellis, the attorney with Thomas More Society, mm-hmm. talking about that, I think maybe last night on, on the video, mm-hmm. that she said the only thing uh, Alito denied was expedited review. No. Oh. The case is still in front of the Supreme Court. But they asked for something quick, some quick action, and he said no. That, that I guess they'll let it fester there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's still there. So that was oh. that was some more fake news. And 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 really That's right, because people were very upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm uh, uh, I, I'm a little bit shocked at the incompetence of, of some of the news people, um, and and maybe and not even just the liberals who get everything wrong. I mean. I'm a little bit surprised at how, um, I, I mean, I, I've known some reporters through the years. They, they do a lot of reporting on courts, and, and they, they understand quite a bit. But I think there's been a really some shabby, more shabby work than I would have expected just reporting on what's happening. Like, I had no idea. When I'd read stories, we talk about how many of these cases were dismissed for lack of standing. I almost never saw that mentioned in mm-hmm. the stories that I would read of why it was dismissed. Instead, it was like... Right just trying to demean it as another wasted effort by the Trump administration and and the other. What turns out, A, it wasn't filed by the Trump administration or the, or the Trump campaign, and B, it was dismissed for lack of standing, which, which says we're not making a comment at all on the merits of this case. Mm-hmm. Everything in this might be a constitutional outrage. You just don't have standing to bring it. Not in this court. Yeah, we're not in this court. Right. So... so but 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 you read the news stories and it looks like they're all right. just being laughed out of court. Well, that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's important for us to realize yeah. that too. You know, so, because the the alternative is to uh, get very discouraged yeah. and think that we're not going to be heard. You know, we're just, right. We're locked out, but that's not what's happening. You're saying. Well, not not yet. And you know, it, it, you know, in the end, it always kind of comes down to this: when you, it gets frustrating to start as lawyers pulling our hair out and trying to just, you know, nuance our way through these constitutional novelties and these, mm-hmm. and, and, and you think, well, wait a minute. If here, here's what I do. I want the viewers to always remember this. The Supreme Court can do whatever it wants, right? It found abortion in the U.S. Constitution. It found gay marriage in the U.S. Constitution. If it can't find that the state of Texas has standing to bring this on behalf of the voters, then I say, I'll lead this. We'll rent about 10 bulldozers, <laughs> go out to D.C. and just raise that building. <laughs> just to, just take the court down and tell them, go home. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> I mean, if, they, if, they, if they, <laughs> they found gay marriage, if they don't see a problem with this election, 
<laughs> we don't need them. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's another, powerfully said. Another firm legal analysis. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fine. <laughs> Thank right. you, Tom. Right. Well, well, are you uh, you want to get a GoFundMe page to get there? <laughs> I think you get you get a lot of support I'll do, I'll until just, they shut you down. Yeah. I'll just borrow the money from Tom. There you go. <laughs> I see. Thank well, you know what I was mentioning to people, rightly or wrongly is that when the lower, and I didn't know about the standing and all the rest, because it wasn't reported that way. It's just this court, the impression was the court looked at, didn't even perhaps look at the uh, the filings, but just said, oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. There's nothing to this. And just brushed it aside, because that's what the media mm-hmm. is telling you. Mm-hmm. But I was mentioning that, well, it, it might not be a bad idea if the lower courts don't take these cases, because they could take them and hold on to them and the slow grinding process, it could go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And the, you know, the, the case could go nowhere after that. The suit could go nowhere after that because it's completely bollocked up or in, in the tar pit, as right. it were, uh, the tar baby of these lower courts. Whereas I understand that, th- that it, when, they, when the, some of these lawsuits went to higher courts and they were refused because they were told, no, you have to seek relief in lower courts right. first. So... Uh, you could go through this whole process and find yourself just being sort of swept around in, in some sort of vortex. Right. Whereas if the idea is to get it to the highest court in the land, we want to get there quickly. We don't want these suits to be filed in lower courts and get basically devoured there. No, you're right, because this is a very time-sensitive period here. Mm. And it is right. So, and I look, I've had that experience in my on kind of a different principle maybe, but there's been many a time, say, I've filed lawsuits on, say, behalf of pro-life picketers or something, and the lower court will just dismiss it. They'll, they'll, so they'll say legal grounds is dismissed. You can't win this. Mm-hmm. I'm happy when they do that because because when it's like important issues of law, I would just rather get to the court of appeals as soon as possible because that's where it's going to be decided anyway. I mean, I'd rather get to the Court of Appeals early without putting a lot of work in mm-hmm. with the trial court mm-hmm. um, than, than work for a year and a half, go to trial, then have the judge rule against you, and then take it up. You know, mm-hmm. Let's just get up there quicker because mm-hmm. that's, that's where it's going to be decided. Mm-hmm. right? So I think your point's well taken. Well, I think it's, it's important yeah. for the, the public at large mm-hmm. to, to realize that what they've been hearing to discourage them should not be discouraging them right, at all. Right, right. We're moving forward. Right. right? Tom, Thanks Tom, be to God. And, and you know, you mentioned the the time uh, the time aspect of this. It, I mean, it's only a matter of, of days, right, until the uh, the the electors actually meet to to pick uh, the president. So with this, well, no, the, the state legislatures the state have to pick their electors. Okay. Okay. The actual vote of the electors is January sixth. Is it? The president gets selected in January. Okay. The, okay. the deadline that's days away is the deadline where all the states have to pick or appoint their electors who will then vote in January. Okay. 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 So as I believe the point was made in here, and I saw, uh, again, the Jenna Ellis, I saw say this on TV also, the only constitutional deadline is the one in January. Okay, so, so there's there's still time for this. So to... so, so if the supreme so the supreme January sixth, you're saying? I think it's the sixth. I think it's the sixth mm. or the fourth. It's early. It's the first mm. week of January. Mm. Uh, but but this like the Supreme Court, 
uh, even between now and the 14th. Is it the 14th? I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the Supreme Court could look at this and say, you know what? This is so troubling. We're ordering all these four state legislatures. You may not pick your electors yet. <laughs> they could put a freeze on that. And it wouldn't violate the Constitution because it's not a constitutional date. Mm -hmm. So uh, this next five days is really, really important. Mm -hmm. So if they put a freeze on that with the idea that we'll have to study this further to make a, an adjudication on this. Right. The, the, right. And then they might say the state legislatures must choose the yeah. electors. Yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. right. So, so they, they can, uh, I mean, they're going to get briefing and piling in on both sides. And they could easily say, uh, look, we're not sure. It could come to the 13th. And, and the court could say, look, um, there's a lot on the table here, and we don't want to get this wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, and so and and we don't have to have we don't have to have those electors selected in those four states by December fourteenth. We can we can let them do it th three days after Christmas. Mm -hmm. And we're going to take another two weeks to to look at this and decide. And maybe well, so maybe set it for oral argument. Let the attorneys go argue it. Uh, yeah. So that's that's what's possible. <laughs> so the bottom line is we've got to be praying and praying and praying, right? Because there's going to take a lot of wisdom and courage to make the right decision, right? And uh, that'll be the result of our prayers, right? right? That's what's fueling that there are those, the amazing thing is that there are people who are actually willing to stand up in the face of the withering blast of malice from the left, who will use every bit of Venom, they have exhausting it on this very issue, right? right. So we need people who are uh, very dedicated to what is right and to have the courage to stand up. Because, I mean, even, even the, uh, the, uh, the lady who is in charge of the General Services Administration, who was waiting for President Trump to start the transition process with Biden, right. you know, she wasn't doing anything because President Trump wasn't conceding and didn't give her the go-ahead to do so. Finally, he did, and evidently the reason he did is because she said she'd been receiving thousands of threats against herself, against mm -hmm. her husband, against her children, against her pets. She was receiving thousands of threats by snail mail, by email, by uh, telephone. Threats against her, just to, to get that transition um, uh, process started. And so I, I gather that President Trump just, you know, out of compassion for her, told her go go ahead and do that, even though it made people think that this was a concession. To the left, it wasn't. I think it was just his right. being a decent chap. You know? As he is. As he's not given credit for being a decent chap who cares right. about little guys. Right, but right. he is. But he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, if this is true of the lady who's in charge of the GSA, imagine what, what kind of hatred they're going to unleash and, and threats they're going to unleash on those who are actually making the decisions here. Right. And, and, and you, you have know, to pray for them. And we can remember that the, although everyone's pretty much given up on Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, and he's earned that, mm -hmm. uh, he's earned that for himself. But he, of the six Republican appointees, five of them are baptized Catholics, right? All, all of them at right. Corsic. Are, you got five of, yeah. got five of the six are Catholics. So, mm -hmm. So we pray they do the Catholic thing, even though we realize that the, the Nova Soto is what it is, right? Yeah. We, we, we pray, for, pray for the graces for them. 
We pray for the graces for them all. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Uh, yeah, and this is the, the fundamental thing. I mean, this is what Catholics believe, and I, I'm very grateful to you, Tom, to coming in and giving us a what I, I always consider to be a good Catholic perspective. <clears throat> on the law, you know, well, thank and you. Uh, appreciate that. And I, I, I find it very encouraging to go through and to filter through all of the uh, fog and smoke and mirrors of, of the, the, the media and all the rest, trying to wear down and discourage the traditional Catholic people. And I find that, you know, your enlightenment on things helps people to see things more clearly. And especially these days, that's very important. We we need to do that. <clears throat> we need to the encourage the encouragement. <clears throat> but I think it's also important because it's showing us that our prayers are having a, a a real effect. I mean, who would have thought we'd be here fighting this out right now? Whereas in the past, so many many times, how many times have they gotten away with this? How many elections have they gotten away with this fraud? Yeah. I think back to what happened in Ireland a couple of years ago, and we know. Uh, Soros' money was pouring into Ireland, right? And uh, we see what happened to, to Ireland and the Irish people and what they're dealing with now. What happened in that? In that uh, was that a referendum, an election? I mean, all of these things they had going on there. Who knows how many of these elections and how many of these public officials around the world even got there by fraud right. and used that, that position to attack our Lord, attack our faith, in fact, humanity, um, attack her church. So uh, it's really, I consider a miracle that we are where we are now, actually standing up to this and saying no more. Yeah. We're not going to let this happen. You know, Father, that is so true. And here's something that really has been on my mind that the, in terms of the what, what can only be the results of, of fervent prayer. You know, I've got a well-known blood relative who's uh, who's been onto this vote fraud issue for 40 years. And uh, you talk about a lone voice crying in the wilderness all these years, you know. <laughs> he, of course, was just a wacko conspiracy theorist, blah, 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 all the name calling. And his, all of his efforts, to, yeah, I mean, you just couldn't get it out. I mean, even Bush versus Gore in 2000, where a lot of this percolated because of the, mm -hmm. of the election stuff, a lot of things my brother had been saying for years was just coming out in that election. But then it kind of went back underground again. It's like no one still would take seriously, especially the threat of computerized elections and the complete lack of control we have over that. When I look at, the, at what has come out in the last two months, I mean, the, the lid has blown off of it now, right? The horse is out of the barn and this whole vote fraud thing is everywhere. Why did that happen now? It hasn't happened in spite of efforts for 40 years. I just think it's prayer. I think, I think, I think enough people realized we are in such a crucial time. And you, you know, you can, even in the news and on those, I mean, the, the public rosaries around the country have been up. I mean, I just think that's the only reason this stuff is coming out because I've seen the effort to get it out for 40 years and it wouldn't come out. And now, whoosh, it's everywhere. That's like a explosion mm -hmm. all of a sudden, and uh, so that's that's important. That's the only way to really confront it, right? Expose it, mm -hmm. and then then confront it, right? And that's where the prayers are needed right now for that confrontation. 
And uh, it can be. I think this is why God has allowed this to be exposed now, because he, he, he wouldn't do that without giving the grace also to confront it, that we can confront it now. So I, I see this as very encouraging, all of this. That um, Not that it's happening, but that it's known to be happening, and people are uh, paying attention to it and really determined not to let it happen. Right. So, and you know, if I, if I can pick up, this goes to another topic. I'm not watching the clock here, and, uh, but just to mention what you and I have talked about privately, which certainly is available in every state of the union, is the power of referendum. Mm -hmm. And if there ever was a time for the citizens of this country to rise up and get signatures onto a statewide ballot initiative, a referendum to say no more computers in the state on elections, right? Mm -hmm. No more computers. We are not letting outsiders program our election results. Mm -hmm. Now's the time to do it. I mean, regardless, you know, regardless of what comes out of the Trump-Biden thing, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, people, the people on the ground have to, have to demand of their state officials uh, and, and uh, yeah, bypass them, get it on the ballot, and, and citizen-wide get the vote out. The, the public officials can't stop that. I don't know that people realize they have that power yeah. in the various states, yep. power of referendum. I mean, they could actually get together and have a referendum to make Christ the king, yeah. right? right? Like <laughs> an official day of observance in the state. They, they, right. They'd have a lot of power if right. they just get right. together and do that. Right. How do they even start that process? It, it varies from state to state? I, I, Probably in little ways, but I'm sure it's a matter of gathering a lot of signatures for a proposed, and really you and, you and I have talked, it could be a constitutional amendment, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we could do a constitutional amendment in the state of Ohio or any other state that says it's a matter of constitutional law in Ohio. There shall be no computers involved in elections. Mm -hmm. that, that, that can't be held unconstitutional. It is the Constitution <laughs> right, at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. They can't stop that. And so you get enough, you get hundreds of thousands of people start getting behind that. You can, the, the power of the citizens and, you know, the, the establishment, the deep state, the public officials, you can be sure they'll all line up against it. Mm -hmm. they'll well, all they, line they might up. take it to the Supreme Court. They've been shot down, right? <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it tends to be a big publicity media campaign leading up to the election because mm -hmm. they can't stop people from voting. But you, you can almost be sure that the establishments of both political parties will be forming their little packs and putting out TV ads and everything against the voters. You can be sure of it. That's, that would be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah. Be worth doing. That's, where the, that. that's yeah. where the Democrats like and the Republicans, idea. literally, they're not ashamed to join arms mm -hmm. and just basically campaign against what the people mm -hmm. want. Yeah. I assure you that would happen. But that would cut out all of this digitized yeah. fraud here. It would yeah. cut out Dominion. It would cut out all of these Soros uh, yeah. initiatives, right? And, and while well, not only protect computer, the vote against all of that. But really limit mail-in voting. I mean, limit it to military guys stationed out of their home district and all that. Well, if ever the citizens of a state had an incentive, a motive, a reason to do that, this is it. This, right? is, this, this is what is they the should time. move on, that, to yeah, make the vote, their vote honest in their state. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, that's an interesting point there. Let's do it. Well, I, I was also saying I think they ought to get together and get a referendum passed that there will be no mandatory vaccines, right? right. And no discrimination against those who don't t take the vaccine. I mean, no vaccine passport or limiting travel or anything of the kind of that. And um, no lockdowns. 
Right. But the people of the state have a right to get together right. and actually vote on that question, whether right. they'll allow themselves to be, to be locked down again. Right. Amend the Constitution so that a governor mandate for a lockdown would be unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. But who would even start that initiative, though? Just a private, could Tom do this? Condit. <laughs> well, yeah. Wrong Tom. Tom. <laughs> I'll call my brother, okay? Oh. Well, if that's what it takes, yeah. if that's all it no, takes. It, it's, you know, and then you get the signatures. And I guess it might be, well, I think you're in Ohio, it's a thousand signatures. But who do you present them to? You present them to the Secretary of State, and the Secretary of State, uh, in other words, the, the, the issue has to be written up in a nice, clean way that people can understand. Mm -hmm. And the Secretary of State gets to review that and approve it, mm -hmm. because sometimes they're not written very well, and it can mm -hmm. be unclear what your vote means. So you got to have a nice, clean proposal. And then the Secretary of State approves it, and then it gets, I've, I've not researched every detail of this, but ultimately then it gets on, on the ballot for uh, one of the elections. Mm -hmm. I, 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 again, if we, this is, this, I would think if we really started in earnest in the next month, maybe it could get onto the May primary ballot. Is that right? Maybe. That'd be worth doing. Yeah. Actually, uh, several referenda at the same time, yeah. pretty much in the same direction. Yeah. Would be good, right? And uh, we would take a simple majority. Is that what it takes? I think so. Wow. That's a, there's a lot of power yeah, invested is. in the people if they would just use it and not be so passive. Right. Well, it's time we started using it according to our faith and our conscience and we know is, is right. Um, so, Tom? Tom? I think I'm out of, I'm out of gas. <laughs> I filled up last night and I'm out of gas. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You'll never be that. But you, uh, you've got a lot going on, I know. So I think it's time somebody else took an initiative, too. <laughs> so uh, That's good, so well. let's, let's get that done. It would be a good idea, though, if it were all coordinated, right? You wouldn't basically want a hundred people trying to accomplishing, accomplish the same thing at once and going off in different right, directions. Right. right. Well, uh, we know, I mean, you know, all of us, any activists in the state know other activists in the mm -hmm. state. It's amazing how well they're connected, mm -hmm. as I know some of them and represent some of them. So you could really get a statewide fire going in Ohio pretty quickly, I think, to, uh, throughout all the regions of Ohio. To so get they'd coordinate. Oh, I think so. I don't think that'd be a problem. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully all. Uh, I know that what can I don't. How many? How many? Do you know how many? Um, but from your viewership, how many of the fifty states you have active viewers? Do you have any sense of that? Well, well I, I imagine most of them. Maybe all fifty. Yeah, I, I perhaps all of them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. let's just light the fire in all fifty states. There's no reason to mm -hmm. no reason to let it lie. It's happened. It's going to happen everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it happened in the six so-called battleground states because those were going to be the close ones but you know you know this could happen in every state um, mm -hmm. it could easily yeah but just to and, make and sure maybe it has doesn't. already like you say but you know the, to make one more point uh, and, and i've said this to a couple of people in the last week where we sit here hamilton county ohio 30 years ago was absolutely dominated by the republican party Every county office and every county judgeship, with maybe one exception, was held by Republicans. And the Democrats were 
it was a it was a joke how badly they were dominated. The elections weren't even close. Uh, in 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 1992, when uh, I. Or, well, when George Herbert Walker Bush was running for one of his elections, he lost the second one. But Hamilton County, Ohio, was the biggest county was 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 the biggest money county for President Bush in the United States. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. and there's a precinct in in the county that gave more money to Bush than any precinct in the country. Okay, that was Hamilton County. Now you know, now four years ago, Hamilton County went for Hillary. This this month or last month, it went for Biden. The, the Republicans were wiped out, and many of the, I mean, the Democrats have taken this county over. And you know what? I was contemplating just this last week. I was always a little skeptical, and I was thinking about this in the context of everything we're talking about. And I decided, you know what? I don't believe it. I don't believe now. We've got soft Republicans in this county. They are anything but solid, strong conservatives. So they've blown it in a number of ways. I still don't believe the county has become this Democrat that that that, uh, that oh, I think oh Biden carried it. Hillary carried it. Now Biden carries it. Thirty years ago, there wasn't a Democrat anywhere in the county holding office. I don't believe. I I think vote fraud's been working in this county for a while. Mm. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I wonder if there's a way to prove it. No. They cover their tracks. They cover their tracks. Yeah, but but I but th this shows us don't really believe anything. Don't believe any polls, and don't believe any election results until we get rid of those computers and get rid mm -hmm. of those mail-in ballots. Well, Tom Anderson used to say that he wouldn't believe a page number in the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess I guess that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> but anyway, uh, well. Uh, <laughs> the bottom line, the one thing we can trust in is prayer. And so we have to be praying. Pray, pray, pray. Pray the rosary. Right? Um, pray the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel, like a gigantic exorcism. Uh, we have to be uh, begging heaven for, for those who are willing to stand for what is right. And we, we have to back them up all the way, too. But... We, the only reason we can expect our leaders to do what is right if we ourselves do what is right. And that means our first obligation is always to be in the state of grace. Uh, and then we, we go from there. But that's the foundation. We have to be in the state of grace of God. Practicing our faith, our traditional Catholic faith, faithfully and setting the good example. Professing our faith openly. That's, that's the thing. We have these public rosaries. Tom, and I think one of the most important, well, obviously, there are many th important aspects of that in heaven and on earth. But I think one of the important things here on earth is it shows the children the need to publicly profess their faith. You know, as our Lord said, uh, if one is ashamed here before men, uh, ashamed of him, the angels in heaven will be ashamed of that that person who was ashamed to show his love and allegiance for our Lord here on earth. So um, it's very important that our children not shame the angels in heaven and uh, not be lukewarm, our, our Lord says in the book of the Apocalypse, now generally known as the book of Revelation, uh, that I would that you were hot or cold, but you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's a pretty graphic statement that our Lord makes there. Mm -hmm. So we have to overcome the stupidity and this, this, this lukewarmness 
We have to be fervent in our faith. We have to love our Lord with all our hearts and soul and mind and strength. And we have to be willing to profess our faith publicly. So this is the time to do it. And this is when we have to, st- the, the grown-ups, as it were, have to stand up and show the youngsters how to do that and do it right. So. This, this was the president that he was, as they were closing out, the Republican, the virtual Republican National Convention was piping Ave Maria to the crowd. Who would have thunk it? But, you know, can't ignore that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both for being That's here tonight. That's for sure. We uh, got through a lot, covered a lot. I think uh, a lot of encouraging things here tonight. A lot of uh, homework we had to do, I guess. So um, thank you. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Well, Tim, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.